This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to XNO Quick Hits. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And I am joined, as always, by the host of TOJ Film Room on our YouTube channel, Turn on the Jets TV, Mr. Joe Blewett, to talk about the rest of the Jets' prospects. We talked about Quinn and Williams in depth. We talked about Ja'Kai Polite in depth. And now we're going to talk about everybody else. And on top of it, a little bonus, we're going to talk about Greg Dortch, the undrafted free agent rookie out of Wake Forest. Joe Let's talk about this film that you stay up into the wee hours of the night reviewing. We'll start with Chuma Adoga, who was the Jets' second third-round selection, the offensive lineman out of USC. The scouting report on him is that he's kind of like Kelvin Beecham, but a better run blocker. Is that more or less what you saw? Uh, yeah, pretty, 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 and pretty simplistically. Um, he just has the he has athleticism. He has speed and and his kick slide. He has he has light and quick feet. Um, really good athleticism. He has good control going to the second level. Uh, you know, good explosion out of his stance on that on that first drive catch. He has louder mobility, fluid hips. You know, all of that of type of stuff that will make him, you know, a, a decent pass blocker. Uh, especially that athleticism. You know, to get to that set point wherever that may be on a certain on a certain pass but in the run game you look at his you know his weight i think he's i think he's 306 but he's a 306 where it's kind of like really long lanky legs that are super skinny um and uh, a short upper body and really lanky arms so he's not a guy who's going to create a, a ton of power you know through his trunk and through his legs um in, in the run game and it requires that and then you know really any system uh, obviously, some you know, like power gap schemes require a little bit more power than maybe, let's say, an outside zone um, or an inside zone at times. But he doesn't have the necessary uh, power to really move guys. So if you're asking like outside zone to get in front of guys, cut off blocks, reach blocks, um, you know, he could he could do that. But I just I don't think he's necessarily strong enough to to be uh, too successful. Um, you know, on, on a wide variety of of plays and and you know against different defenses and different lineups. So. Um, he's a guy who can develop. I think he's going to need to definitely add some weight, add some, you know, technique because he has good, you know, traits. Like I said, with with uh, you know some of the the speed and the kick slide and, and the arm length, which the arm length is actually pretty. I know he's a shorter guy. I think he's like six three, but his arms are like thirty five inches. So he does have pretty long arms, which is which is something that's that's good to see. Um, but he's going to need to to improve in some of the technical aspects of how he anchors with the the lack of power and not being able to anchor properly is not a not a good thing because people are saying anchor okay, drop your weight and you know get under the guy. There's there's a lot more to it with your hand with your hands and how you place your hands and you know one hand coming off at a time instead of both hands. Are are you shooting double unders? Are you shooting straight? So there's things that he has to learn. Um, you know, with technique in terms of uh, kind of relating that to his power, but. Um, he's, I, I think he, for the third round pick, uh, he's a guy who is, I, I gave him a kind of, you know, kind of like a, a B minus grade for that. I think he's a player who could develop. And I think, you know, looking at next year, I, could he replace a guy like Beecham or Shell? I think that's a possibility, but he'll have to develop. So right now he's like a backup swing tackle. There's some other guys that would have wanted over him in that spot. Uh, I forget the name of the other offensive tackle who was there. Uh, Risner, I, it wasn't Diller. I think it was Risner. I, I forget exactly who it was. It might have been Risner. Um, and there was a guy, Hakeem Butler, there. So there's some guys I would have liked over him. But I think overall, as a player and as a prospect, I think he's uh, he, he he was a good pick at that point. I think he fell a little bit because some of the problems that we that we saw with him that kind of relates to Jakai Polite a little bit, where it's like, okay, Jakai Polite should have been a first round pick. He had some pl- problems, obviously. We did a whole podcast on it. 
Uh, he's Chumadogo is a guy who I think would have went a little bit higher, but he also had some work ethic concerns. He walked off on his on his team in the middle of games. Uh, he had some issues, you know, in the locker room. So I think that's why he fell a little bit. So I think overall on film, I think we got a little bit better of a player um, just on the field than the pick that he was taken at. But there's obviously some some concerns, you know, with him off the field, which is kind of a kind of a trend of this of this you know class for the Jets minus you know Quinton Williams. So. Knowing that both Kelvin Beecham and Brandon Schell are free agents at the end of 2019, what do you think the likelihood is that Adoga could be built into a starter to take either one of their spots in 2020? Um, I think it's a, I, I think it's a good possibility. Now, it's it, it's that is that based on confidence of Adoga? Yeah, I think he's gonna be a really good player. No, not necessarily. But it's not like it's not like he's replacing Tyron Smith. You know, <laughs> uh, you're looking you're looking at you're looking at Kelvin Beecham who. I think it's an average pass blocker and a well below average uh, run blocker. And you're looking at Shell, who I just told you before we started recording, I've been watching you know, the, the, the 2018 season again. I'm lower on Shell than I was even during the season. We're watching him you know, really, really closely because people will ask the question like, oh, well, what do you think about you know, this player specifically? And I can give him a, a good general thing because, listen, when you're watching any snap, you're watching 11 players at the same time, so unless they really stand out. Um, you're not going to really review them, but I'm specifically looking at him every single snap. I noticed some things I didn't notice before, and I'm a little bit lower on him. So I don't think that he sees a second contract with the Jets unless he takes a big step up, which a guy like Frank Pollock could, could ha- play a part in. Um, but I think the chance of either, you know, Beecham being a little bit too old at, he's going to be 30, 31 at the end of the season, then wanting to move on from him and slide in Adoga, or, you know, maybe keeping, keeping Beach or signing a different guy and then Shell moving on, you know, there's, there's two spots that he could fill in. So I think there's a good possibility that, at least in the Jets' mindset, he's going to be groomed uh, this year as a backup swing tackle, uh, and then eventually take take one of those spots. I, I think there's a possibility. Cause like I said, the, the athleticism that he has and the arm length um, are two really you know plus traits that you're looking for uh, in offensive tackles in the NFL. So. One thing I found interesting about Adoga is that he was actually recruited as one of the top guards in the country. Do you think it's possible, let's say, Winters or Simile goes down, and we know that they have in the past, that maybe he could even slide in and play a little bit of guard if needed? I, I don't. Um, just because, and I know he might have played guard wherever, wherever he played, but there's a big difference in guard in the NFL and guard in you know, college, USC, Alabama, wherever you are, because guards you know, are, are typically the biggest and the most, most powerful guys. You know, on the offensive line, they really need to do have power. And like I just said, he's he's weak for a tackle. So weak for a tackle moving into guard. Uh, I don't see it unless you're going to run, you know, outside zone 70, you know, 70 times out of 70 times. <laughs> then, then yeah, sure. But that's obviously not going to happen. There's there's inside zone. There's there's uh, there's outside zones. There's mid zones. There's power. There's there's gap. There's ISOs. There's a bunch of different uh, schemes that are that are implemented into any offense, even if you are a heavy outside zone, inside zone type team. Um, so I, I don't think it's a necessary power to to be able to move inside. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. 
Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Going into this draft, we knew that the Jets needed to do something to upgrade the blocking, so they got a Doga in the third round. Then in the fourth round, they traded down a couple of times and got Trayvon Wesco out of West Virginia, the tight end. You may be saying to yourself, but they got a tight end. How does that help the blocking? Simple. He's mostly known for being a blocking tight end. Now, we know that he can catch a little bit. We saw the Baldies breakdown on Twitter. That was where everybody was thinking, oh, my God, they got this huge steal. This guy could be the next Gronkowski. I want you to throw a little bit of cold water on that, which I'm sure you're going to, because I do think he has some upside catching the ball, but I don't think he's going to be some sort of star receiving tight end. But tell me a little bit about that and his blocking, because that's really going to be his calling card and something that I think is what Adam Gase really wanted him for. Yeah, there was another guy on on Twitter, uh, Blue It Breakdowns, that also did trade on West Coast. So, you know, just, I guess, throwing throwing shade at me right there. No, but I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, so he's a guy, he's like another situation where I, I liked the player, but in terms of what they did with this pick, I didn't like it, if that makes sense. Where, like, they were sitting there at, what was it, three or four in the fourth round. Um, you had a guy in Julian Love there and also charting uh, Gardner Johnson who I, I think would have been you know better picks, I think, who are better players. But looking at West Coast tape, I was definitely in, in, definitely impressed with him. You're looking at you know the size you're talking about, 6'4", 270, with 34 uh, and 3 fourth inch arms, which is you know obviously really, really impressive. Uh, so he's really good in length. He has the ability to box out for receptions. I think he has good hands. Um, now there's some t- times where he makes some awkward catches where he doesn't know where to catch it You know, with that aggressive or more passive style with underhand or overhand type of catches we have to work on. Uh, great run blocker and the run blocking. He's de- he's definitely impressive. I don't know if there's a better tight end in the draft at, at run blocking, but uh, that's that's what he's definitely going to add. Whether it be an H back um, or in line, uh, he's definitely going to be able to help on the backside. I think you know they, there there was many times in, in West Virginia's offense where he was tasked with blocking defensive ends outside the linebackers and handle it you know plenty fine. Uh, so I think he's going to be able to bring that into the NFL because he dominated guys. It wasn't just like, oh, he got in his way. Like He was trucking over defensive ends and, and, and put them on their ass and pancaking them. So I think it's going, going to um, you know, translate where he has the power in his punch. He has a good base. He knows how to set himself properly. He knows how to cover gaps. Uh, he fights to rework his hands, his feet, and, and, and his hips. Um, so I, I think that's going to, to translate and, and overall, too, with, with all those traits. You know, he has that thick build. He has that size. He's strong at the point of attack. He plays to the whistle. He drives his feet. Uh, super, super aggressive dude. So that's something that you really want to see in, in, in the run game. And, you know, that's, like I said, all, all those traits kind of make up a good uh, run blocker with that size attached to it. Now, with the passing game, I do, you know, when I heard of him and, you know, you're, you're hearing about what exactly he is 
uh, you're kind of like, okay, well, this got a blocking guy. And mostly he's going to be a blocking guy. But like I said, he does have the ability to box guys out because of his size. Uh, he does have soft hands. And there was some, now, now he's not, and like I said, like I said with guys like route running, okay, we're t- we talk about Hakeem Butler. Like people are comparing Hakeem Butler's breaks and, okay, well, on a square cut, it takes him four steps instead of, you know, uh, whoever, Greg Dortch on a square cut who takes two steps. Well, yeah, there's a difference in about a foot in size. So it's going to take a guy who's bigger to stop. It's like stopping a freaking, you know, a, a Toyota Camry versus stopping a train. It's a little bit different with, with route running. So it's all, it's all relative. So is he, is he as fast in and out of his breaks and, and as fluid as a guy like Hawkinson or Fant? Um, no, he's not. But for his size, I think he actually is relatively athletic and like slippery um, with yak. So I see him as a guy who's going to be, you know, a short type receiver in terms of like, okay, he's going to run curls and snags and, and outs and flats. So he's not going to run a ton of routes down the field because I don't really think he has necessary speed to stretch you, um, you know, up, up and down the seam. But at the same time, I see him running those routes, but I also see him, one, you know, being split out uh, on, you know, three receiver sets, you know, trios or, or, or uh, Y stacks and all these different things that he could do and, and, and be a lead blocker out there. So I think that's something else that you have to look at, not just H-back or Y tight end, but I also see him as a guy who can, who can split out in, in those sets and then get the ball um, and run. Uh, after the catch because, you know, is, is he going to burn a guy like Jamison Crowder? No, but if you're going to take a safety or a corner versus him, uh, you know, have fun with a corner who's 200 pounds tackling a guy who's 270, you know, so I think that's, that's something they're going to take their advantage. I think he's going to be, you know, a guy who's who's used in that way, like how we saw Eric Tomlinson be used on screens, you know, more than he should be. I think he's a guy who's going to be more successful than Tomlinson in every single aspect, so I think you got like a really upgraded uh, Eric Tomlinson, which for a fourth-round pick is, is not a bad pick at all. Uh, now, he does have his weaknesses. as I said. He's not the most fluid guy. The lateral, uh, lateral mobility, the top-end speed, he's not going to be really uh, too big of a threat um, vertically and up that seam. You're looking at a guy who only had 28 career catches at West Virginia with only 26 coming last year, which there, are, there were some things around that, and it wasn't because he's a bad tight end. It's because West Virginia runs a spread offense. They didn't really throw him the ball. Uh, he's not really explosive in and out of his breaks. He doesn't drop his weight into his breaks. Uh, hand positioning while catching the ball is awkward. Like I said, he can't maintain his speed and routes, so he has uh, you know, he has limitations, but I think overall for a fourth round pick, I, I think they got a, an important type player uh, or an important player on this offense, a guy who's going to help block for, um, you know, for Le'Veon Bell. You know, you had guys, I mean, you have like those extra tackle sets where you're bringing in Quale. Now, instead of bringing in Quale, you have a guy in Eric Tomlinson who's probably a better blocker than Quale, <laughs> to be completely honest. So you have a guy who could do that and catch and, and run screens. Um, that's something good, and and you know he's gonna be a lead blocker from Bell. He's going to be asked to to crack linebackers or or seal defensive ends or you know whatever it may be. So uh, I think he's gonna be a good player. I think you're going to see him. You know he's not gonna get you know 40, 50 catches this year, but look at maybe you know 20, 25 catches with some being for two yards and some being for 25 yards because I didn't expect to run a, a you know a screen play to a to a 270 pound. Um, tight end, but he's going to be an interesting player. I think I think he's going to become a fan favorite, especially if you're you know if you're following my account, you're following guys like Baldy, and you're going to see some blocks where he's in a pancake defensive end. It's going to be fun to watch. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60 game sprint, unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week. With Major League Baseball, we're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
This is the Overtime Podcast Network. I know that Adam Gase is not one to typically use two tight end sets. However, Wesco seems to be a different kind of tight end than Christopher Herndon. Could you see the two of them playing mm-hmm. off of each other in some sort of way? Oh yeah, for for sure. Uh, and and Herndon's he's not a great blocker. I think I think he was okay in in his rookie year. But you know, it's, listen, it's not like Gase. And I know Gase ran like uh, whatever the stat is, like eleven personnel. You know, seventy five percent of the time, whatever. I know it's right around that number now. Did he have a backup tight end who he was confident? Now maybe if he had a good tight end in Miami, maybe he would have ran. You know, uh, eleven personnel sixty five percent of the time, and then ran you know twelve personnel. Um, you know, even more so. I think they're going to find a way for him to, to work in the offense. And, you know, even if it's not technically, you know, a, a 12 personnel and it's 21 personnel where he's in the backfield and he lines up, line up as a fullback, you know, so there's, there's multiple sets you can get in, whether it be, like I said, 21, uh, 12, however you want to, well, you know, however you want to label it, basically on, you know, basically on however you want to put him in the game, whether it be behind the quarterback or as an H back or in line, I think they're going to find a spot for him, you know, in the game where he could be a blocker, uh, like I said, he could be guy on screen passes, and you're obviously gonna have Herndon in because he can do you know pretty much anything. He's not a great blocker, but he still can block. It's not like you know where, where Herndon comes into the game and okay, well you know they're not gonna run to his side because he can't block like a Jimmy Graham. Like he's a capable blocker and he's capable of getting in guys' ways. So uh, you know it's not gonna be like okay, well Herndon comes off the field and, and Wesco comes in. There's there's gonna be plenty of times where they can both come in um, at the same time where you know Herndon might be releasing on a on a crossing route. And you might have Wesco staying in to to block a defensive end on a you know on, on the backside of a of a rollout where he's not going to be asked to stand him up or just kind of get in his way. So there's there's gonna be ways to get them both in for sure. Now, do I think it's gonna be all the time? No, because I still I still think he's gonna be heavy, uh, you know, eleven personnel. But like I said, twelve and twenty one, he's gonna be able to get him in you know plenty. So how much do you think Wesco will help Le'Veon Bell when he's in on running downs? More than a guy like Eric Tomlinson was, you know, <laughs> if, if, if he's lined up in the backfield, listen, if, if you're, if you're going to run, if you know, if you're going to run counter OF or a, an ISO play or a Mike zone or a boss zone or any zone, I could, I could talk to lead zone um, to have a guy like West Coast coming, coming through uh, the hole for you and, and, and help you to find that gap where you have guys like Tomlinson who might hit a guy but he's not going to help to fund that gap and just talk about defining gap, basically just, just removing a guy from, from Bell's vision to, to basically make the, the hole much more clear. That's what he referred to as defining a gap. Uh, he's going to be able to do that for, for Le'Veon Bell. So just in terms of his physicality, the way he drives off the ball, uh, drives through blocks, uh, pancakes guys, he's going to help um, you know a lot in, in taking on those linebackers, maybe even defensive ends or you know trap blocks, wham blocks, whatever it may be. I, I think he could do all of that. So he's definitely going to help uh, Bell because the Jets didn't have that. It's you know something that you're you're not necessarily thinking of when you're going over t- team needs. Oh, who's going to be the fullback? Uh, you know, H back, whatever it may be. Um, it's it's not something that you know is on the top of people's priority list, but it's something that is important in offense, even if he's only in. You know, 30, 35% of the time, I, I'd much rather have him, you know, in, in this offense and blocking for Bell than anybody else on this team. So I, I think it's an important pick. It's, it was an underrated need at, at tight end number two, and I think they got a pretty good one. And he's going to help Sam Darnold much more than most people think, right? Yeah, in terms of pass blocking, run blocking, he, he could do both, whether you're playing a guy like a, you know, and like I said, with simple routes, he can run a flat route, but can he, can he run a flat route after helping, you know, check a guy like Cameron Wake, who Brandon Sheldon can't block, even though he's on the well, he's on the Titans now, um, but helping, you know, any one of the tackles chip a guy and then release on a route, 
uh, he's going to help in both where that would be helping both in pass blocking and the pass catching aspect. And there's going to be times where, you know, he's blocking lead blocking for bell or, um, either it's not lead blocking. He's actually kick out a, you know, a, a tackle or a reach a tackle on the front side of a, of an outside zone. I think he can do that. Um, so he's helped Donald in both getting more yards on first down on a run where the jets were, I think like 99% of the plays were run from second and 10 plus last year. So, uh, that's going to help him, you know, in a pass game and the run game. So it's it's definitely, uh, like I said, it's it's a key cog to to an offense. I think it's a little bit overlooked. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the off season, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them. Keep up with all the transfers in college basketball basketball and so much more you are able to subscribe to hooping with hoops on apple Podcasts, google play spotify stitcher TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts this is the overtime podcast network let's talk a little bit now about the fifth round pick that the jets got for trading down a couple of times in the fourth and that turned into blake cashman the linebacker from minnesota Here's a guy with a lot of injuries, but he's known for having a high motor, maybe being a better athlete than people give him credit for, multi-year starter. Tell me a little bit about what you saw in film with Blake Cashman. It's another guy who I think, like, uh, I don't know if other fans say this about their team's picks too, but it's a, it's a guy who, you know, listen, uh, before watching his film and, and hearing about him and people saying, oh, average athlete, you know, not a great mental processor. It's like, yeah, that's, that's, you know, that's kind of like a special teams type guy. And that's what I kind of what I fell into as I watched the film. But you're looking at a guy, you know, 6'1", uh, 237, undersized, you know, undersized 10, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, sure. But understand that the most successful linebacker in the NFL, Luke Keekley, is like 6'3", 239. So, Relative to his height, Cashman is actually probably has more weight per per inch than a guy like uh, Keekley. I'm not com- you know comparing him to Keekley in any aspect other than their their height and weight. So he's not necessarily too undersized in the NFL. Do I want him as a as a, as a Sam linebacker as a Mike taking on you know fullback? No, not necessarily. But I think he he can do a little bit of everything. Uh, four five speed. His three cone was under seven seconds, which is always good. His vertical jump was 37 inches. So. Um, I don't think he's an average athlete. I think he's actually a pretty good um, athlete in terms of, you know, he has some quick uh, quick t- uh, twitch ability to him. He has some t- solid top-end speed. I think he has some good flexibility. I think he has good balance. I think he has good change of direction skill. Um, and then you're looking at his mentality in terms of him being, you know, a, a walk-on player um, with Minnesota to being a captain, I think says a lot about what kind of player he is. Um, plays with maximum effort. He's a guy who, listen, uh, is he going to be more powerful than, you know, a fullback or even offensive lineman? No, but I think his determination to get pass blocks and drop his head and just try to run through guys uh, is going to get him, you know, sacks and and tackles for loss and and clean up tackles because he just plays so damn hard. Um, So that's why people think he's going to be a great special teams player just because of how, you know, his mentality and how hard he plays. But I think he also uh, offers some things to the to the defense, and you know people are okay. Well, they had Lee, and now where he's gonna, where is he gonna fit in? Is he gonna be the fourth string inside linebacker? Well, now Lee is obviously gone, so I think he's gonna be the backup linebacker. I think he's gonna play some will um, in four three looks and be you know acts not the process you know a ton, but be more of a run and chase type linebacker side to uh, sideline to sideline. Um, and he's interesting in a couple of of different ways where like sometimes he has good technique where. You know, he'll, he'll slip under a block or he'll, he'll stay square coming into a tackle 
um, or he'll take a really good angle or, you know, he'll read a, he'll read a counter play or he'll read, you know, a power play or he'll read a dart play. Um, but when it gets into some of the weaknesses in terms of mental processing, where sometimes it's good and then sometimes it's bad, where it's just really like super inconsistent for me, uh, where if there's misdirection, where with like counters, counters and, and darts and power, there's not really, or even, you know, uh, pin and pulls or sweeps, there's not really a ton of misdirection, but now you're talking about misdirection with like jet motions or orbit motions or fake handoffs or read options, um, you know, even just, even not just jet, you know, the jet sweep motion, but actual jet sweeps and, and end arounds. Uh, when you start throwing multiple reads into the backfield for him, he, he'll just get completely out of place and, uh, and look lost out there. So sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. Uh, there's also some times where, you know, he'll run himself into traffic. He, he won't say, he won't stay patient, uh, on the, on the front side of the play where he'll, he'll guess too often, say, uh, you know, whatever the, the, uh, the center is on an ace block on the front side, he gets to the second level. The running back really hasn't declared his gap yet, but you'll have Cashman, you know, declare his gap for him. So instead of stacking that offensive lineman, um, and being able to re- react inside or outside, he'll just guess outside or inside. And then that, you know, whatever way he goes, the running back goes opposite. So there's some, so there's definitely some technical things, um, he has to work on even with his tackling where, and it's funny too, because this is why I'd never listened to, to stats or to really other people in general, because I heard, you know, uh, he never missed a tackle in college. And he's such a good tackler. The, I, uh, and I'm not just trying to dump on the, I actually like Cashman as a pick. The first game I watched, he missed like two, three tackles. I was like, "What? Like, how does this happen? Like, how do people watch this and say he never missed a tackle?" I don't, I don't get it unless they just don't watch. Um, but he he needs to clean up his tackling where where he's more of an ankle biter. He'll he'll break down properly, but then instead of bringing his legs into tackles with him, which you need to wrap a guy up, you know, uh, whether you're whether you're going to do like this the the Pete Carroll way of tackling, um, where it's more lifting of the thighs or the more like you know generic type tackling, you're gonna you're gonna cross your cross your face against wherever they're going and then and then hit him and drive your feet. There's a couple of different ways to tackle, um, but he just doesn't bring his feet with him at all. So he's a, he's an ankle guy. Uh, ankle diver nipper type guy and he needs to bring his legs with him because versus the running backs in the NFL even if even if they're considered you know more of an athletic type guy a fast guy they still have a lot more power than a lot of guys in the NFL so I'm worried about him with tackling um I'm worried about his shorter arms that he has you know I'm I'm worried about his mental processing and uh, at times with more complex reads where he's more of a reactionary linebacker not an instinctual linebacker um, so there's there's definitely some pluses and minuses with him, but getting him in the fifth round, a guy who many draft pundits and you know, like I said, I have a full time job. I do Jets film. I don't have time to break down ten <laughs> linebackers and some of them being in the sixth and seventh round. But you heard a lot of guys saying he's their third, fourth, you know, inside linebacker. Uh, and the Jets getting him for fifth round pick, I, I think, is a good thing. Um, I think he could be a, a key cog. Not not a key cog. I'm not going to say that. I think he's going to be a key special teamer, so a key, a key cog in special teams, a guy who's going to play some snaps to, to spell guys like Mosley or, or Williamson, and then a guy in 4-3 looks or, you know, 4-2 looks, whatever it may be, a guy who's, um, you know, on the weak side and, and more of a reactionary type guy and acts to chase silent asylum and not necessarily be on the front side and have to have to process, you know, many things very, very quickly to get in position to make a tackle. So uh, I definitely, I definitely like the pick. And I think he fell because of those three total, uh, sold, uh, shoulder surgeries, um, which is obviously, you know, a big problem, um, especially with linebackers to your ex to hit with your shoulders, obviously a lot. So it's, it's definitely a concern for me. Uh, but with the Jets medical staff, I always give the benefit of doubt with injuries for the most part because of the Jets medical staff. But I think that's the best te- thing about this team that, you know, thank God that guy hasn't got fired yet, even though you never know. <laughs> um, so, uh, I, I like the pick overall though. This is the overtime podcast network. <laughs> 
Consensus opinion on Cashman is that, barring injury, he should be able to contribute on special teams right away, like you were saying. And then there are people that have mixed reviews of what he could be beyond that. Connie Carberg told me that she believes that Cashman could be a year or two away from being a significant contributor on the defense. And Jim Coburn was on the show and said that based on his analytics, he wouldn't rule out the possibility of Cashman one day becoming a starter. Now, he's not saying that it's definitely going to happen, but he said he thinks that it's definitely a possibility if Cashman stays healthy. Do you think that that is a possibility? Because let's remember, Avery Williamson, who played very well last year, only has two years left on his deal. After next year, the Jets could walk away for basically no cap money. So if Cashman were to develop in the next year or two, you think it's possible that maybe even if there's a slight chance he could be sliding in with C.J. Mosley at some point? Yeah, you never know. I, I'm never going to rule off anything because you were talking about Avery Williamson. Avery Williamson was like a fourth or fifth round draft pick too, and I'm sure that guy's when he was drafted. Oh, he's a backup special teams linebacker. So you never know. I'm never going to write anybody off. Richard Sherman was a late round pick. Tom Brady was a late round pick. There's plenty of guys. Uh, Robbie Anderson was undrafted guy. So am I going to say definitively no? He cannot develop. Um, I'm not going to say that now. I, I, maybe I'd be a little bit more strong in that stance that he won't play if he was a guy who didn't possess a lot of athleticism. Now, if you're not athletic enough for the NFL, you're going to be a backup. I could see that where you can't really develop athleticism too, too much. Um, but for a guy who I think is a, is a plus athlete who has some issues, like I said, with the mental processing of, of multiple um, misdirection type runs or even in coverage where he's a little bit he's a little bit antsy he'll jump up to play action or he's not really too aware of what comes in and out of his zone I think a lot of his problems come from the mental processing of the game um, and can that develop in, in two three years sitting under a guy like Mosley who's one of the best inside linebackers in the, in the NFL uh, Avery Williamson who's a solid you know starter in the NFL uh, can that develop? Yeah, sure. Am I going to bank on it? Am I going to put all my, you know, the money on my house on it? No, not necessarily. But I'm never going to say no. He cannot develop because I can look really stupid in a couple of years when you know there's been multiple guys in drafting the fourth, fifth, sixth round who have developed into into starting linebackers. So there's always a possibility. But you would definitely say there's a solid likelihood that he becomes at least more than a special teamer at some point. Yeah, yeah. I, I just think with with his athleticism, he's going to be going to be asked to be a, a, a will linebacker in this defense in certain you know aspects and just be a run and chase type guy. So I, I think his athleticism will get him on the field. It's not like he's just a hard worker, average athlete. Where you know on special teams, you can have guys like Eric Tomlinson running down the field who who have no athleticism and and make tackles. You know, it's it's not like he's just one of those players who lacks athleticism he has uh the necessary traits to to be a you know spot starter back key backup guy who could eventually develop you know into being a potential starter in a few years the Jets' sixth-round pick, Blessing Austin, is somebody who also has pretty solid athleticism, although similar injury concerns because he's only played five games in the last two years. Unfortunately, we can't really talk about that because Joe wasn't able to find any film of him. So, unfortunately, you're going to have to just try and find some grainy YouTube stuff and maybe read a little bit about Blessing Austin. As I've said before, my friend Jason Love interviewed him a couple of years ago when he had first arrived at Rutgers. So, if you want to go ahead and check that out, you can. I'll post the link on my Twitter as well. So, being that we have no film to talk about with Bless in Austin, we're going to move on to the one undrafted free agent that everybody thinks has a good chance to make this roster, and that is Greg Dortch, the wide receiver from Wake Forest. 
Some people have gotten real excited about him and think that he may actually be able to do something in this offense. Others have said that he could at least be a kick returner. Joe, I know you're not super high on him, and you were pretty critical of the tape that you watched. Yeah, and this is like the problem with a lot of undrafted guys. Like you, you see him undrafted, like, oh, the Jets got an absolute steal. He's gonna be our fourth wide receiver. And I'm like, like you let pump the brakes a little bit, and then you say oh, you'll, you'll criticize him a little bit. I'm like, oh, well, Robbie Anderson. I'm like, of course, I knew I was gonna do the Robbie Anderson thing, but let's not act like every single undrafted free agent wide receiver is Robbie Anderson. Will make that big of an impact. So, um, you know, in terms of his strengths, I'll, I'll just get to that first. You know, you see a guy who I, I think is relatively tough. He's not he's not afraid to go over the middle. I think he runs hard with the ball in his hands. He has some quickness. Um, I think he's a good horizontal breaker, not as good of a vertical breaker in his routes. I think he sets up his angles well. Um, you know, he'll he'll fight the whole design and press into the defensive back at, at the top of his stem and going into the top of his stem. I think he adjusted the ball well. Solid hands. He can catch balls outside of his frame, which it's not like a Kane Butler catching balls outside of his frame. It's a guy who's, you know, 5'7". Um, and then there's some technique in some of his routes where he uses, you know, power skip releases, hesitation releases, short uh, short stride releases. Um, he'll use wipes and arm overs and clubs in his routes. But my biggest issue with him is one, his size at 5'7", 173. That's, that's super, super tiny. You're not going to be able to get by a lot of defensive backs in, in the NFL of that size unless you're an elite route runner. In terms of his route running, that's that's plus. Uh, but he's not an elite type guy in, in that way. Um and honestly, the the one thing that that bothers me about him the biggest, and that you could, like I said, you can go on my Twitter, Joe RB thirty one, and look at the plays I put up. Um, he's super lazy, and and it, it it drove me crazy watching it. He doesn't sell his drive phase. Um, he doesn't attack the ball. Uh, I think his inconsistent technique in his routes, uh, the lazy routes, were seen way too often. Where there's been there's multiple plays where if he doesn't think he's getting the ball. He'll literally walk off the he'll he'll walk off the line of scrimmage, walk into his break. Um, there was one one play where he ran like a quick like hitch or snag route. I, I, I forget what team it was versed, but the quarterback actually threw the ball because he literally walked into his routes. He wasn't ready for the ball and, and he wasn't able to catch it because he just didn't expect it. If he's running a route, let's say he's running a a, a post, then he has you know um, he has the inside the the necessary inside leverage um, versus a you know whatever it may be a, a corner who is in that. Uh, or a corner or a linebacker who's in that hook to seam route, but then he sees that safety biting down on it, you know, the deep uh, middle third safety, he'll just give up. He'll just stop running. Uh, there was multiple plays where he stopped running, and there was almost an interception where, yeah, the quarterback shouldn't have thrown it uh, at Wake Forest, and he's just not a good quarterback, but he gives up on routes, which is really, really frustrating. And I think for a guy who's 5'7", um, he runs some decent routes, but his hips don't get, get out of a variety of his routes fast. Um, he's not good at finding soft spots in, in zones. He has inconsistent technique. Um, he's not that fast. Uh, there's some times where you, you watch his explosion off the ball, and it's, it's pretty average, to be completely honest. So for a receiver his size, you, know, you want to see a guy who's super explosive, um, which, which he's not. So I, I'm, I'm seeing an average athlete in, in, many, in many different varieties of his game, and a guy who gives up on routes and runs lazy routes is just something that I'm not a big fan of. Now, can he be you know that sixth receiver on the Jets roster because they're – they're lacking, or there's a competition right now at kick returner, punt returner, because he is a, he definitely is a good kick returner, punt returner, because he is a good guy uh, to get yak and with the ball in his hands, he does set up his angles well and he runs hard and, he, and he's able to to break uh, some tackles. He has good contact balance and things like that, which versus you know teams that Wake Forest is playing in the NFL might be a little bit different of a story. Uh, could he make it in that aspect? Yes, but as a guy who's like, oh, well, he's gonna be our fourth receiver. You know, our our backup slot guy, I, I just don't see it with his routes and, and with the 
um, you know, lack of kind of the want to that he does not have. And to think that it's going to just develop in the NFL, I don't see it. I think if you're lazy in, the co- in college, you're going to be lazy in the NFL. I don't really see that translating um, too, too well. So I don't think he's going to be the fourth or fifth guy. But if he makes that as the sixth string wide receiver who's not really going to play ever, and maybe on a few reps here and there, uh, you know, on screen passes and end rounds, I can, I can maybe see it. Uh, but I think he's his his real shot to make the roster is, is one get his head up his ass and actually play hard because I hate to see that and, and to be a really good kick returner punt returner that's that's what I see but I just I, I can't see lack of effort especially after watching guys like Wilkerson really when I started getting into the film you see Wilkerson and now seeing a wide receiver who, who who does that as an undrafted guy a guy who he knew he's had to fight to make a roster at at, at as small of a school as he was at and at his size to see the lack of effort uh, on on film and you know. Everybody in the NFL is watching you to see if they want to sign you. I, I think it's inexcusable, so I don't, I don't like that at all. Did you see enough on tape to think that he might be able to be an effective kick returner in the NFL? Yeah, yeah, there are some returns I put up there. Like I said, he, he sets up his angles well. He has good contact balance for his size. He has good, good quickness. Like he's shifty, but he's not his, his straight line speed is not um, a plus trait. I think it's, I think it's pretty damn average to be completely honest. But um, I think he's a guy who he he could be a kick returner, punt returner. That's that's for sure. Now there were some tackles he broke. At, you know, playing whoever he was playing. I have a list of the teams he was playing and that I broke down. Boston College, NC State. You know, some of those teams were were smaller type teams. Um, can he break tackles versus those backup tight ends and linebackers? Yeah, sure. But can he break up, break tackles from, you know, backup linebackers, you know, in the NFL? I'm not too, too sure. So that's, that's something that's going to have to be seen in, in practice if he's able to do that. But I do think the, the, the shiftiness, the quickness, um, the change of direction, plus the ability to set up angles and, and just be a good overall yak guy. There's just a, fe- a feel that, you know, there's, there's some things that you can't put a, your finger on, okay? You know, good change of direction, good at setting up lanes, but then there's just that, that those instincts and just uh, a good football player in certain aspects of his game with with a punter turn and kick returner that, you, like I said, you can't put your finger on, but he has it. Um, in that way. Now, does it translate? I'm not necessarily too sure because, like I said, it's a different game. It's a lot harder in the NFL, but I think that's his, that's his chance to, to make the roster. I don't really think he's going to make the roster as, a, as that fourth, fifth string receiver who's going to spell somebody if somebody gets injured or, you know, just spell uh, Crowder or Newton while period, periodically through a game because, you know, people get tired. So I don't, I don't see that, but, you know, he has a chance because of that, of that return ability. So. If I may quote Jim Carrey from Dumb and Dumber, so you're telling me there's a chance? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I guess, I guess so. I'm just like I said, the the lack of effort pisses me off more than anything. So if he doesn't make it, I, I couldn't care any less. You know, it, it is what it is at this point. I don't blame you because with the amount of effort that you put into your film reviews, you expect the same from the players that are on the field, and that is why you should make sure that you're subscribed to our YouTube channel. Turn on the Jets TV because Joe goes all out on all of his film reviews, including all the draft picks that we talked about today. So if you want to see the video of that, and you can go to Joe's Twitter as well, at JoeRB31. It's all there for you. Joe, thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Before you go, why don't you let everybody know what you've got coming down the pike and what they can look forward to if they follow you on Twitter <laughs> and subscribe yeah. to the YouTube channel. Yeah, we're going to be busy, Scott. Um, I'm working on reviews of Darnold, Herndon, Shell, Winters, Anunwa, Anderson, May, Adams, Williamson, Williams, Jenkins, Tremaine Johnson, Henry Anderson. So uh, we got plenty of stuff coming there. And then also, Scott, something that we, we kind of discussed, you know, a couple, uh, you know, a while ago that I'm going to be working on. Um, and kind of be doing it on the side. The Jets are my my main focus, but I'm going to be releasing a new podcast. It's going to come out periodically. It's not going to be every single week. Maybe every other week or every other you know three weeks or whatever it may be. 
Um, but it's, it's going to be simple, just Joe, Joe apostrophe S film room. So it's Joe's film room. Uh, we just got on YouTube. You know, I don't, I haven't put out a video yet, so you have to wait a little bit for that. And we're be going to be doing a podcast um, where I'm going to be breaking down players throughout the NFL too because, listen, in my point of view, am I going to get more movement from followers and fans on a guy like, you know, uh, Brandon Shell versus a guy like Aaron Donald? No. So I, I think that's a little bit for myself to grow myself and, and, and take advantage of some opportunities. Uh, so I'm be doing reviews of guys like Donald and maybe, you know, looking at a guy like, uh, you know, Darius Leonard from from the Colts and Odell Beckham. I'm going to be doing reviews of some bigger time players. So uh, if you're interested in, you know, looking at their film and, you know, they're not Jets players, but if you want to learn about them and what makes them so good and just learn overall. Um, or if you're a good film guy, and you just want to watch and, you know, maybe you don't have the time, then uh, follow me at, you know, at, like I said, on YouTube. It's going to be Joe's Film Room and on the podcast app. Once we do an episode or two, it will be available on the podcast app at Joe's Film Room. So that's something new that, that's going to be uh, coming too. Really looking forward to that new venture, Joe. It's going to be fantastic. Everything that we've come to love from your Jets film reviews is going to be on full display as you branch out to doing players from around the league. Can't wait to see it. Like I said, you're one of the best that there is. And so now fans from other teams that really don't want to watch their Jet film reviews are going to know it too. Joe, thanks so much for coming on. We will do this again soon. I'm sure that we're going to be talking about your year-end reviews that you're working on as well because you talked about everything that you're doing with players from around the league, but also some of the players on this team that you looked at in their 2018 campaign, so we'll get to that. But in the meantime, follow Joe on Twitter at JoeRB31. Go subscribe to the YouTube channel, Turn on the Jets TV, and for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.